and welcome to a new episode of From the Honeycomb Podcast. I am your host, Katerina Burenova. Each week, we dive into a blend of topics that resonate with the soul. Whether you're an architect enthusiast, have a passion for wanderlust, want to discover holistic approaches to rejuvenate your body and mind, or are intrigued to learn about Vastu Shastra with a modern approach, you've come to the right place. Join me as I sit down with inspiring, like-minded women from various walks of life. We will delve into their journeys to discuss the challenges and moments that define their paths. So sit back, relax, and let the spark of positive energy ignite your curiosity. Today I am joined by Casey Stevens, a spiritual psychologist who after years of experiencing anxiety, grief, and loss, now helps others heal. With a background as a licensed psychotherapist, master certified coach, and certified clinical hypnotherapist, Casey approaches therapy in a holistic way. Casey, thank you so much for coming on From the Honeycomb. Oh, Katerina, it's my pleasure to be here with you. Thanks so much for having me. And as you know, we begin every episode by sharing something that we are grateful for in the present moment. So what are you grateful for? Mm. Well, today um, I feel super grateful for, you know, I take time usually once a week, typically on Wednesdays, today's Wednesday, to just kind of take time and do things for myself, to tap into my own healers, to do any body work I need, to just kind of keep my system flowing. And so I've already had beautiful visit with my naturopath. I did some IV infusions and I did some soma therapy and now I'm here with you. So I'm feeling so grateful for all of those things and my body's feeling strong and healthy and that's a wonderful thing. I love that you dedicate a day as well to it. That's really special. I think we all need to kind of remember to take that moment and self-care is just so important, especially in what seems like We're kind of back in this hamster wheel after COVID a little bit. We slowed down and now it's like, go, go, go. So I love that you have that day just to kind of recharge. Mm -hmm. Yes, I do my best. And I try to get a few things in every Wednesday just to, yeah, kind of get over the hump of the week and be able to serve people. I think it's so important as healers that we are really kind of impeccable in terms of taking care of our own energy and bodies and minds and hearts and all of that. So no, absolutely. So as I was putting together kind of your intro and, you know, learning more about you, you have an extensive list of certifications. I am amazed and really inspired. You know, you have really taken on learning on such another level. So walk us through kind of what your experience was and what's led you to become the psychotherapist that you are today. Yeah, great question. I hope I'll do it justice. Uh, There was a time in my life more than a decade ago where I really needed healing. I really needed healing that I recognized just needed to exist on multiple levels. And I was so fortunate to find a therapist at that time that just so happened. I mean, I think it's sort of magical, but, and works out this way that we attract people that are just right for us. But I also listened to that message, right? And she had a way of practicing that was pretty holistic and yet came from this clinical realm as well. And so I found that so valuable because it allowed me to really be healed in all of the ways that I knew resonated most with me. If, if it had been too concentrated in one area or another, too psychology-based or too healing-based or any of that, it was just really fortunate that she had a nice hybrid. And then 
I just started to open up to what the possibilities were and I knew how much it resonated. And then the more I learned from her, the more I realized, gosh, there's so much out there that I just haven't tapped into, but this is definitely resonant with my soul and my spirit. And so I just steadily, I knew first I started with my clinical work and went back to school and decided to do that, emerging from that kind of experience of my own therapy and kind of trauma and all of that. I call it post-traumatic growth, right? So there's so often that we get in we have traumatic experiences and then we lean into the post-traumatic stress of that. But really what I learned about myself and how I like to work with people as well is I really want to take what this traumatic experience is and alchemize it into something that really can be post-traumatic growth. And I think that opportunity is available for us. So that being said, went in and I did my own clinical work in the psychology field. And then I also knew I just was so focused by the time that I went into that, that I thought I'm just thirsty to consume as many holistic practices as well, because there is some limitations just from studying the traditional Western psychology framework. And so I really wanted to learn as much as I could in a holistic way from the Eastern traditions, from the quantum tradition, just all of that was just so important to me to integrate. And so I just kind of set myself up on a pretty steady consumption of learning and training and doing all of these things, some of which I did during my clinical training, but I also just kept diving into that again and again and again as I was building my practice years ago. So, Wow. No, and I think it's so important to mix, you know, both the Eastern and Western cultures and the information. There's so much value. It's almost like, why not? Why not learn everything you can? And everybody has their own approaches. And I think that you can just find so much more value in exploring both, whether it is, I mean, there's something to be said about Western medicine. Of course, we are where we are today. Without it, we wouldn't have a lot of the cures, but there is something to be said about going back to those holistic ways and especially what they do in Eastern culture. So I love that you mix both of them together. Yeah, I love it too. And I find, you know, it's not right for everybody, but it certainly resonates with a lot of people. And I feel like we're trending more in that way where there is this opening, open mindedness, open hearts, right? To so much of that, frankly, I mean, ironically, I should say that is pretty much more ancient than any of the Western stuff that we've developed. So love incorporating all of that. And I'm always fascinated to learn new things. And I feel like I've become more discerning over time. I still might dapple in different trainings and modalities and things that are interesting to me, but I'm more discerning about it because you just get to know what really works and what works for you. And then there's always a blending, I think, of just your own natural intuition and gifts that come through that. And so I think we're just have gifts that align with certain practices and and so, yeah, I mean, I think I'll forever be a seeker and a, and a student in my life. Yeah. And when clients come to you, like, I mean, you went through your own anxiety and grief. Is that mostly what clients come to you with as far as learning how to cope with anxiety? Um, not necessarily. Honestly, I really can work with anything. It's less what people are coming for, because I think those are always just symptoms that are expressing in a particular way in any individual. And so it's less about that because I think we can tune in and it's more about an orientation to life and healing that people seek me out for. So I mean, there is so much in the spectrum of situations, ailments, problems, troubles, fears, whatever it is that people might be dealing with. And I actually wasn't even, I'm not truly an anxious person, but during that time, I noticed how much anxiety and grief and some of those expressions kind of 
cropped up in my own world. And so it's really deciding is kind of back to that orientation around healing, which do you have an orientation to get stuck in that and you just want to recycle it and re-imprint it into your psyche and your body in those ways? Or do you operate from this angle that you really want to have post-traumatic growth? And so it doesn't really matter. Like I've heard everything you can imagine hearing. I've worked with people from all over every culture, every age, every faith, every sexual. I mean, it just, it's, that is not a matter whatsoever. It really is. Do you have this orientation where you truly want to grow? and learn from your experiences. So I'm scanning for that because I also want to work with people that resonate with the work I do. It's more meaningful for me, but I think people will get more out of it because I'm really challenging your pushing your consciousness and challenging you to think about things and explore things more deeply and also expand more, more broadly. So that's who I want to work with. And it doesn't really matter what the problem is um, because th- those are all just the details. I always say those are just the details it's the pattern and the process that we want to work out. And of course, the details matter for everybody in their own life as they did for me. And yet I really want to focus on kind of the bigger picture and also be able to go deeper in a more conscious way. So That's really refreshing. I like that you're saying that whatever it is, it's just a detail. And it is so true. I think sometimes we can become so fixated on one little feeling or two little feelings. And I like that you're coming at it with a big picture approach because it is just a little glimpse or a little feeling in, we have thousands of feelings a day, thousands of thoughts. And and it's just that little bit. So I like, and it's, like I said, it's very refreshing that you're looking at it as a big picture. That's a great perspective. Yeah. And also just kind of reiterating what I I mean, it's like, sometimes we'll have things that will come out of, they aren't the ordinary for us. They're not our natural expression, but when we're in a stressful situation, that's how we express and we're experiencing these. And if we get so stuck focusing. I mean, I think those are, they're all just messengers. And so how do we listen to the message that the wisdom of our body and the wisdom of our psyche is trying to tell us our unconscious mind? How do we tap into all of that? And all of that, I just trust sorts itself out, right? Like if we really listen and try to understand what those messages are, then we can treat anything. Oh, wow. No, that's so true. That is so true. And I think, and it seems like, yeah, and going back to that mixing with the Western and Eastern worlds, I think you can definitely find strategies and rituals and whatever it is, exercises that'll help you. Is there any exercises or anything that you can share with us as are the listeners, kind of like something that they could do if, I don't know, let's say they are feeling, I know we're coming up to the end of the year. And we've got holidays and family stresses, you know, you're seeing family and all of that. Is there something that you could share with us maybe that would help if you're feeling that kind of end of the year anxiety or or worry about? Yeah, in any given moment. I mean, I love, I mean, meditation, right, is just kind of a given. Anyone who has experienced it knows what the true benefits are. I love sound healing. I love so many, you know, modalities that we can tune in, but honestly, really somatic therapy and understanding what, how our nervous systems work and understanding when you're in a loop in your nervous system or when you're stuck in some dorsal vagal response or something like that. And so really kind of polyvagal theory is really amazing and simple exercises that we can do that are physical energy psychology exercises. And there's such an overlap at the kinesthesiology and the energy psychology and the polyvagal, all of those things. There's such an overlap of all of those, but essentially it's noticing when your body is 
in some kind of state that like, how can you pay attention to your body in any given moment, whether it's the end of the year or in 10 minutes, right? Like, how can you notice that this is not like, it's really important. I think that we know what our baseline is. And if we haven't accessed our baseline in in a long time, well, then we probably need to do a lot of work to get there. And there's so many things that you can do to do that. But it's really understanding what is my constitution? What does my body feel like? when I'm really at baseline, when I'm like in my center, when I'm grounded and all is well, right? I think of that, that, you know, usually my entire channel is pretty clear. My body is pretty free from any pain. I feel, you know, energized, but also peaceful. And so just noticing what that is for me, and we're all going to have unique systems that express differently, but anytime we're outside of what our baseline is, what our neutral zone is inside ourselves, then I think it's our responsibility to ourselves, first and foremost, but also to the people in the energy system around us to find a way to reset that. So there's lots, again, going back to meditation, polyvagal theory, energy psychology exercises, that these are physical, they're incorporating not just certain tools that would access maybe our mind or our spirit, right? But we're incorporating the body as well because trauma is stored in the body. And so if we're starting to move into some kind of, you know, let's say like a dorsal vagal state, which is freeze in the nervous system, then pay attention to that. Or if we're getting too hyper, there's something, you know, we're moving in the other direction. It's just really noticing what could I do? Simple exercises. And there's eye exercises that you can do. A lot of this is like EMDR. Mm -hmm. I can go through some of them with you if you would like. Yeah. So one like really, really simple. I always think breath is medicine Mm -hmm. too. So always remembering just if you're not connecting fully to your breath, just tracking your breath and noticing how deep is it traveling inside your body. And so a lot of us are shallow breathers or if we're stressed, but we're not even conscious that we're stressed, we'll just be breathing into our high heart or somewhere else that's really shallow. So I think the first step is just slowing down and noticing where is my breath right now? okay, is it traveling all the way down? And can I feel it activating the life force in my entire body? Well, if that's not happening, then just take some slow, deep breaths. And I always think of it as just, you know, I'll ask people oftentimes if we're starting a meditation or if we're starting some unconscious work, just how do you fully arrive in this moment? Whatever that means for you. Maybe it's opening your eyes and finding, you know, a drishti in front of you and putting your focus on that focal point until you can kind of let everything else go and come into focus there. Sometimes it's closing your eyes and going inward and finding that still point inside of yourself. So first kind of doing that and then connect the breath. Notice how much life force is flowing through you. Are you conscious of your entire being, of your sensory experience, right? So slowing down and just doing that, just fully arrive. If you were to fully arrive in this moment, what would it feel like? How long would it take? What would you need to do? How would you breathe through your body? And so uh, that's often just a simple way that I'll start with people is just fully arrive right here, right now, let go of everything from the past, let go of everything from the future and be fully in this moment. And then we can start listening to the messengers of exactly what is going on because there might be systems running in the background, right? There might be some anxiety. I might be pulled to the future. I might be pulled to the past, all of which just indicate that we're time traveling and we're not in the present moment, right? And so fully arriving, connecting to our breath, and then noticing what is going on. And can we just let that go and then come back to 
the present space, if there's something that we need to attend to, oftentimes I'm somebody, I can feel a lot of physical, you know, I get migraines and things like that. So I'll want to just listen, like, okay, does my body feel pretty good? Am I pretty neutral? Or do I need to listen to what that message is over here in my shoulder or back here in my head or down in my knee or whatnot? So it's doing that. And then a simple exercise, which is just a somatic experiencing, right, is taking your fingers and interlocking them. You Mm -hmm. can do it with me if you'd like, right? Interlocking them and then putting them behind your head and then breathing in the same way, just kind of breathing all the way through your body and noticing as you do that. And then um, you're going to do some exercises that are kind of EMDR based that have to do with your eye movement, right? So keeping your arms up in this direction and your nose forward, you're going to take your eyes and, and not move your chin or your nose at all. Open your eyes and look as far to the right as you can. And just breathe as you're doing it. And I want you to keep doing it until you notice that there's some sigh of relief. Maybe there's a yawn that comes. Just keep your eyes in that direction as long as you can. See, and I kind of did a sigh. And so then just coming back to center and resetting. Whenever you felt that release Mm -hmm. that comes. I felt it in my fingers, in the back of my head. It just was this like, oof, yeah. A release. Awesome. Okay. So now I want you to do the same thing, but look to the left and your eyes are the only things that are moving and just look all the way to the left as far as your peripheral vision will allow until you get the same release. And I love that you're feeling it in your fingers. You might notice that you feel it somewhere else. You might kind of notice that your shoulders drop a little bit or your breath can just kind of relax into your body in just a deeper way. I definitely felt it in my shoulders this time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really it's, it's fascinating. Yeah. Just paying attention to the subtleties, right? We need to notice that. Okay. So then come back to center again and then just breathe and you can do the same exercise again if you feel like you need to, but just if you breathe through your body, what do you notice? Mm-hmm. Do you have a new base? Like, have you reached that baseline? Sometimes you need to go through the exercise a couple of times. There's also a one, like, especially if you have head, neck, shoulder tension, I'll do this one a lot because I can carry a lot of my stress in kind of my upper body. You can do the same thing with your eyes initially, and then you can turn your, your head and you can kind of just notice. And as your eyes are still open and looking, just kind of notice where the tension is. If you are twisting your whole head, And then come back to center as soon as you have that release. And then the same thing, moving your eyes over to one side and then moving your entire head and then just twist it as far as, and sometimes you'll notice, oh, the right side of my neck hurts a little bit more. And so I can't turn as far. If you go back and forth and you do the eye movement on both sides, and then you return to that after you've kind of reset in the middle and done both sides, you'll notice that the tension usually dissolves from your body, right? So from your neck and that you have more range of movement, it's really pretty fascinating when you go through all of it and just see that these are quick ways that we can reset ourselves. No, that was amazing. Like I already feel a little bit like I've been sitting all day and just kind of, you know, there's been a few stressful phone calls that came through and I can definitely feel just through that. That's amazing how, and I love that it's just a simple, just turning of the eyes. I mean, I don't need any equipment. I don't need anything. I can literally do this anywhere, anytime. And that is, anywhere, that's amazing. And there are so many more exercises, really, if you kind of understand the, just again, that all of these things that seem like they're mental sometimes or seem like they're physical they are all connected and we can release them pretty quickly if we want. And so even just kind of taking your hands and doing like a butterfly, this is another somatic experiencing where you can just kind of tap 
another one with your eyes and you can just do this kind of gently. You can, anything that's crossing your body, what we're doing is we're balancing the hemispheres of the brain. And so sometimes you'll just feel a little scrambled in your brain or like it, it can happen if we're speaking and we're not speaking clearly, like we can't find our words. What we want to do is find a way to balance the hemispheres of the brain. And so there's some way that those have gotten off and we just want to reconnect that connection. And so anytime that we're crossing the body, doing anything to cross over the midline of the body, we can do it with our hands. We can do it with our eyes. We can do jumping jacks, mm -hmm. right? Those are also really wonderful ways to do it. You can also just kind of take a finger in front of you and do a figure eight, and then you can push it further out and you can bring it further back. But essentially, if you're taking your eyes and doing this eye movement that is again, a figure eight crossing the, the midline of the body, then we are rebalancing the brain and therefore we're rebalancing the whole nervous system and body, right? So those are great exercises you can try as well. Wow. That is so fascinating. I had no idea that even just like crossing the hands, like I wish I, I talked to you before I recorded another episode, just a solo one before this. And I had really trouble centering myself. I think I re-recorded like five times. I would have very much benefited from just First off, taking a moment, taking a break and breathing. That usually centers me. But then I love this where crossing hemispheres and kind of helping rebalance and recenter. I'm definitely going to be yeah, using so that. Remember the midline. Anytime you cross the midline, right? Like, and we can do it with tapping. I mean, there's so many ways that we can do it. But if you were to simply take your eyes and draw them in a figure eight, then you can roll your eyes up. There's so many ways if you're using your eye movement to access this deeper part of you. But that will happen to me a lot of times. I'll just feel it's like, oh, I'm not quite, I don't feel quite as sharp as I would. I'm not accessing my words. I know what I want to say, but it's not connecting to my mouth. Then I know that there's somehow my brain has been a little scrambled and I need to, and that could be for lots of reasons, right? There could be stress. It could be a headache. It could be so many different things, right? And so you just want to do any exercise that's going to rebalance the hem you know, reconnect the two hemispheres of the brain, right? In this figure eight style, which will always help. So yeah, use that next time. I will definitely be using that. And I want to touch base mm -hmm. on one thing that you mentioned, which was meditation. And I've been meditating now for, I think about five years and it has been life-changing. I used to be a very anxious, I mean, I'm still a little anxious, I will admit, but the mornings I meditate, like for example, today I did not meditate and I see how much it shows up in the rest of my day if I don't meditate. And so I would love to hear, obviously, it sounds like you meditate. When did you start meditating and how did you see it change your day-to-day -day life? Oh, gosh, more than a decade ago. And I really didn't, I don't know that I was like up on, I started more, I guess, conscious practice after that, where I learned more structure and different techniques and all of those different things. But honestly, I come back to this intuitive way that I meditate again and again. And I started again during that time. And I don't know, I just intuitively seem to listen to where am I feeling stress in my body at the time. For me, it was kind of like I felt like I had this ball of nerves in my stomach and then my heart. And so I would take my hands and I would put one on my heart and one on my belly. And then I would just lay, anytime I would feel like that, I would connect those two points because those were points that I needed and people can have different points. But I think those are some pretty common ones that tend to work. And what I did is I kind of did this like 
meditation slash prayer where I would just literally whisper. Some, oftentimes I would do it when I was falling asleep because as you know, when we have anxiety, it's hard to fall asleep when you're not feeling when all of the motors are just running, 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 running. So I would literally just speak out loud as I was laying in my bed and it wasn't necessarily a traditional meditation and things that I was worried about. I would say out loud and I would ask for support or I would send prayers to the people that I love that I was worrying about or any situation in my own life. I would just kind of ask for support and help. And so it was just this way that I think there's a lot of power in that vibration. And I didn't know any of this at the time. I was just literally doing what felt very organic and natural and it worked for me. And so I did that for a long time. And then I started sitting, you know, in meditation groups that might be have a little bit more structure was uh, less about kind of this outward experience. But I think there are so many ways. And of course, I've incorporated and learned lots of different techniques and studied under people and done all of this. And I really come back to, for me, I don't have a particular practice. And it works for a lot of people to do that, to wake up first thing in the morning and do it. I tend to do it when I need it. I notice it's like, I'm a little off. Here's, I, I need to just drop in for a moment. I need to go inward. I need to center. I need to clear my mind or I need to send out particular intentions. And that's what resonates most with me is, again, listening to the messages of my system and giving myself what I need when I need it. But there are so many wonderful ways that also work, but that's kind of what I come back to. It's not necessarily this original form that I did, but I would use it again if I needed it. And I certainly have. And so for me, another thing that I love to do is sit and I'll hold a pendulum and just kind of meditate. And I'll notice when I'm in the flow because I'm so in sync with my pendulum that the pendulum will end up showing me right as I'm and it will balance me as I'm going, but it will also show me that I'm getting more in flow because it becomes more powerful and it will spin in the way that my particular pendulum spins. And so that's another way that I love to meditate, which can be with open eyes or closed eyes. It can be kind of an engaged meditation or a totally relaxed one where I can just kind of clear my mind. But that's what I tend to do. What do you like to do? Well, you're making me question how I like to do it because it's not working for me right now. <laughs> and no. I like to meditate every morning, but I feel like uh -huh. because it's, I have to meditate now. So before I used to work for someone else. Now I work for myself. I work from home. So my schedule is a lot more flexible. So I'm kind of looking at a lot of my rituals differently because now I have the freedom to not have to worry about, I have to be work at work at seven. You know, I have, my mornings are a little bit more or less stressful. I love it. Yeah. And I'm noticing that like as you were talking about how you just meditate whenever you feel like you need it in that moment. That's something mm -hmm. that I think I need to try because I think the stress of I have to meditate this morning and if I don't, oh my gosh, or if I run out of time or maybe I decided to sleep a little bit longer and I'm like, ah, you know, it just, it seems a little too forced. And so right. I like this idea of you saying, because I, I could have absolutely meditated after I had lunch today because I had, you know, some time and I think that would have helped me reset my day. So I like your approach mm -hmm. because I feel like mine is too structured because I came from that. Yeah. What can happen from that too, I notice is sometimes we can like, there can be some shame or some guilt, right? Incorporated in that when we don't stick to our routine for whatever reason, because so many good things or bad things, right. Can come into the flow of what we would normally love it can be kind of some guilt and shame if we're too structured and then we miss, you know, our marks, whatnot. So yeah. I agree about being too structured. And then like you said, mix it, missing your mark because then it's just, it's another, I mean, we're already have enough stresses in life. Why add the stress of, did I meditate this morning or did I not? So I'm really liking your approach. Like you have a very mm -hmm. refreshing mindset on a lot of like holistic approaches and like just, yes, I meditate, which is good. And that's great. But 
now I've hit this like bump in the road. And I like the approach that you've taken is, well, then just meditate whenever you feel like you need to be, whenever you're feeling re- you need to recenter yourself. And I think that's such a healthy approach. Yeah. Well, if it resonates, I mean, I really think that's what we're doing, right? Is really trying to fo- find the flow in our life. And for some people, a real kind of rigid structure that works. And you could even aim for meditating in the morning every morning. But if you don't do it, just like, eh, I'll do it later. I'll do it, you know, when I notice that I need it. And sometimes that can be a slippery slope, like we'll end up not doing things or lacking complete discipline. But it's really, I think if you learn to listen to the messages that you're getting and you just operate in your, based on what your operating system wants and needs, then, and you know, there's always, I mean, I have appointments with clients. Sometimes I'll feel like, oh gosh, I feel something coming on or I'm feeling a little out or whatnot. And it's like, well, of course I can't meditate in the middle of a session, but the next moment that I have the opportunity, then I'm going to take that and do that so that I can carry on and, you know, show up the best I can for my next client or my partner or the rest of my day or whatever that would be, I would need to be in my flow. Yeah. No, I think it's so important checking in with yourself. And I think what you're doing is like mindfully checking in, like obviously, yeah, you can't do it in the middle of a session, but making sure that you're checking in throughout the day. And I think that's such a sustainable approach as well. So I was just reading something Mm -hmm. about like, don't wait until you're sick to take care of yourself you need to take care of yourself every day. And it's so we can be sustainable in our energy and in, you know, what we do. And so we're, we're there, we can be present. That goes back to the, what you're talking about being present in the moment. I think if we are just sustainable, mindful in our practices, then we're able to be present more often. Agreed. I mean, I kind of come back to this life ethos that I have, which is how you do anything is how you do everything. Not that I invented it, but I think it's so true. And so it really is that orientation to life that you have and how committed are you, how disciplined are you around whatever it is that your particular values and virtues are. And so for me, a huge virtue and value that I have is health and well-being in all levels of my being. And so in order to be in integrity with that, I have to be disciplined to that in the way that works best for me and my constitution. And so this is what I've found over time works best for me. And that's how I honor and listen to that, right? So that we're not kind of having fits and starts. Because again, if I wasn't consistent in that and a on a day-to-day basis, then I would be out of integrity with something that was very important to me. No, absolutely. And I think it kind of sets you up for success as well. Absolutely. With with that mindset. So I think that's that's really important. And I think, yes, I just like everything that you've said about being present, centering yourself. And I think it's also, we kind of forget that there's easy ways to do so without also like purchasing things and having materialistic things that will help us get to, you know, be more relaxed, but it's really just simple. And, and going back to what you brought up earlier in the episode, as well as your breath and coming back to your breath, I think that's so important. And I think a lot of people forget, especially I had, I used to have a lot of panic attacks, especially when I was studying for my architecture exams. And I have found that breath has been very helpful. And I know right before I sat down for an exam, I would have a little ritual of doing like, I think it's the seven, eight, four part breath or something like that. And that would always center me before an exam. And I think that was such a great coping mechanism. Again, to balance yourself. I wish I had known the eye eye trick too, because that would have helped as well. But I think that's I like all your little tools in your toolbox. There's another one that they've studied. Andrew Huberman, I don't know if you ever listened to his stuff, but he's fascinating doctor and scientist. And he really 
presents that there is this short breath. So if you're having panic attacks or anxiety in the moment, a way that you can actually reset that. And if there's so many different numbers and sequences of breathing, types of breathing techniques that are amazing and breathwork journeys are amazing. If you can have the time to commit to do all of that, and there's so many you can do in person or online, those are amazing. But what he says he's found is if you want to, again, get back to that state where you're in regulated and your nervous system is totally reset, if you're feeling yourself getting more amped up, let's say, is to do inhale through the nose two times, like so one long inhale, and then hold it and then inhale even more until you really are kind of at your capacity again through your nose. So this long inhale, and then even more and then breathe out slowly through your mouth. And so if you do that series a couple of times, which again is available to all of us, it's free, we can access at any time, then you can actually bring your nervous system back down to a regulated state faster than any other technique. Wow. That's amazing. It's amazing what is out there with like, you know, breath work, meditation, just having your, you know, being able to, to center yourself and like come into that present moment. So you have shared so many easy techniques. I love just this has been so interesting. I'm so fascinated. Like, and I have even more questions about, you used really big words at the beginning of the episode. Keen, what was that word? Okay. Yes. Like mm-hmm. all of that, that I'm very interested in. I mean, I don't know if that's another episode, but <laughs> this is so fast. I just, I'm so fascinated. I'm trying to think if I have any more questions because I'm like, yeah, ask anything you like. So when you're combining the holistic approaches, what have you found that trying to think like when, when you have a patient and, you know, they're struggling and it seems like you also pick clients who are open to be having holistic approaches, which I think is very important. Mm -hmm. But I guess my question is when you have a client who's maybe not, there's just so much, maybe not, I don't want to call it baggage, but so many emotions, so much trauma, so much stress that it's hard to break or even crack a little bit into it what would the approaches be if it's just, yeah, what would be the approach? Well, what comes to mind as you're like, so I am pretty intuitive too, and I connect to people's energy. So every time I work with somebody, it's I'm tapping into their energy field, right? Right away, when you're just kind of describing this hypothetical situation, what it feels to me, it would be most important would be what I call tracking the energy. And it's how I work anyway. But I would imagine, again, guiding somebody if they were just overwhelmed with all kinds of emotions, maybe their mind is racing or there are all kinds of different things going on. To me, what it feels like is we need to like sort and filter what's going on. And so I would do something really similar with them to get them to, sometimes people just need to burn that off too. Like I have some clients that are wired that way. And I just noticed it's like, they kind of need to talk, 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 burn it off, do a little venting, and then we'll know we'll start to morph things. But sometimes if there's too much chaos going on in their energy field, which is kind of the impression that I get when you describe that is there's a lot of chaos going on internally and probably in their energy field around them. So then I would want them to do more of a somatic unconscious exercise where again, we're arriving, we're connecting to our breath and then we're tracking the energy. And what I mean by that is we're just literally following, we're going inside and we're following. If there's a thought that comes up, then we want to 
go to that first. Whatever comes first, we want to track it and we want to go to that. So if a thought comes up, I can't do this or this is stupid or something. Okay, well, that's totally fine. Let's go into that thought and let's explore and break that down and understand what's going on there. Well, then from there, something else is going to unfold. Maybe there's going to be a a pain in their stomach or there will be this sensation or it's like, oh, weird, I'm getting this tingling in my arm or something like that. And so what I would do with that person is I would literally just guide them and facilitate tracking the energy and stopping at everything. Because if there's a lot of chaotic things going on all around them, then we just want to go, whatever comes first, great. Let's give our attention fully to that. And I think when chaos is happening and expressing in multiple ways, right? Again, these are just expressions and symptoms of something deeper. It's less about what's coming through the thought or any of it. It's really understanding that we really need to give attention, full attention, our full presence and attention to each and every one of those things. But whatever comes first, then we'll go into that. Then from there, something different may emerge and something else that might have felt chaotic or omnipresent at the same time will no longer be there. Right. And you're somewhere else all of a sudden that you hadn't even thought of. Right. So it's if we just track the energy throughout the body. And again, those can be thoughts and feelings and sensations and all kinds of things. Right. Or all of a sudden, you know, we're seeing something over there. It's something's happening. It's just really being with each and everything. I think all of these things are just expressions that are trying to communicate and convey something to us that wants to be come back into equilibrium and balance. And so if we take the time to put each and every one of them, give it attention and find what would be balanced for that, maybe something else opens up and maybe we close that system and it's no longer has to operate in that way. Or at the very least, the way that I work with clients in that way, what's valuable about that is that they then have the tool themselves to know how to track the energy on their own. I'm happy to facilitate it. And I think I always tend to believe that we heal best when we're being held in a sacred kind of safe container. So I prefer that way, even myself, which is why I still seek people that can hold space for me. But in a pinch, right? If it's the middle of the night and you don't have your therapist on the phone or whatever is going on, you can actually track the energy yourself and that's available to you. You can do it during, I mean, you can do that literally for your meditation. Like, let's start, let's see what opens up from here, right? Like, okay, well, I'm just going to listen to, instead of trying to eliminate all the thoughts, it's like, I'm actually going to go into them. Whatever the thoughts or the feelings or the sensations are, I'm going to meet each one and I'm going to be fully present with it and sit with it like it's a dear friend that I love and I care about and I want them to know that they matter to me, right? And so I'm going to sit with each and everything that comes through. And by doing that, we're just dissolving, right, these messages because we're attending to whatever. And sometimes we get messages of things we need to do. And sometimes, oftentimes, they really just need to be witnessed, And so that's what I would do for somebody that had a lot of chaotic energy. We would just try to track. And if it's moving fast, it's like, okay, well, what's even the message in that? How can we be present with that? What's going on, right? That we can understand more about why this is happening so we can get you back to a place of balance and equilibrium. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. And the reason I'm asking is I just came off of a mental health summit. It was a virtual conference for architects. And there was a lot of stories about, you know, burnout and balancing architecture and motherhood or parenthood, also being a firm owner. And so I just was thinking about some of the stories I had heard. And it was just some people, especially in architecture, it's a very intense, it can be a very intense field depending on, on the, it. well, it really is. And especially going through architecture school, the exams, and then once you're in the profession, some of the stresses and the expectations. And so I just was thinking about some of the stories I had heard and where people were just completely at their just 
peak of it was just so much. That's why I was curious is you would probably would have I mean, it was mostly for, it was all for architects, but Mm -hmm. I wish you had spoken because I think a lot of people would have really benefited from learning because I think also because we're so connected now online, we don't really get that time off and especially on the weekends. And so that's where we were talking about is what happens when you have so much going on and it's just then, and there were people who talked about going to the hospital and like for, you know, just having really bad moments because of, they just did not stop. And that was that, that chaos, all, all of the things happening. So that's where that kind of question I was thinking about too coming from is, and I like just taking it bit by bit. Bit by bit, just tracking, just, and start with the very first thing and just trust it intuitively. If you were to tell yourself, right, if, if you were to play this and whoever is your audience that would listen and benefit, it's like, if I'm feeling overwhelmed and there's all kinds of messages coming in and even mixed messages, and if I slow down and I just say, okay, I'm going to spend some time to try to just track this energy and, and fully witness whatever wants to come through, whatever comes through first, if all of a sudden you've got this gut-wrenching pain in your abdomen or you're short of breath or you're feeling panicky or you hear this what seems like a irrational thought or anything that comes through this voice in your head or whatever it is it's like let's not judge any of it it's all valuable so the very first thing i want you to meet that fully and say oh okay well i just thought i had a i'm thinking of a client years ago who something had happened. She was like house sitting for somebody. And I'm probably going to miss some of the details, but she was like house sitting for somebody and the alarm had gone off or she had heard some weird noises and she really started to have. So, you know, I mean, she attended to that and made sure things were okay and whatnot, but then she found that she was having these like really irrational thoughts about violent things happening or somebody breaking in or just all of these things. And so instead of judging. And, you know, I mean, she's even kind of telling me about it, like, oh, I'm a little embarrassed that I had these thoughts, right? Because they kind of were just very irrational thoughts, right? Compared to what had happened. And yet it's actually very reasonable. It's like, where is that coming? Let's go into that instead of shaming it or judging it or blaming yourself for like, what's wrong with me? Let's actually invite that in. Okay. I had this thought and I don't really like that. I had this dark thought, right? Or whatever it might be. It's like, well, let's invite it in you know, get familiar with that, understand, okay, well, what moves or what, if we really sit with it and understand, it's not that it's so much an irrational thought. There's actually very logical reasons why she was thinking those things when we broke them down. And then once we did this exercise of just tracking the energy together and there was, I mean, she was having panic attacks around it. And it was really, once we tracked it, it was like, it was all dissolved and she wasn't judging herself for it anymore. And it wasn't something that she would be afraid to tell anybody that, oh my gosh, I had this weird thought because she could now understand the entire sequence of where it came from. And that it was trying to be of service to her, but it might not have been of service in the way that, because she wasn't, receiving the message fully. So um, I know it's it's kind of a random story, but just that's why I think just whatever comes, go there, like follow that Mm -hmm. and and be with it fully until something else emerges. And if we understand something needs to be done, well, then do it. If, you know, there's some message of some action you need to take, great. But oftentimes it just needs to be witnessed. Mm -hmm. I think, and it goes back to what you said earlier, it's that big picture. Mm-hmm. Your focus. She was focusing on those details. I mean, yeah, it was, it was. That was an interesting like case study. Is yeah, she was focusing on those details, but you helped her realize. Let's look at the big picture. Why were you feeling X, Y, and Z? Why were you having those thoughts? And remembering to go back to the big picture, where I think a lot of us get lost in the details. Yeah. And sometimes, I mean, sometimes even to that point, though, it's like we need to go into the details to understand them and really, again, greet them, welcome them, make them feel completely 
as if we're giving our full presence to them. And if we do that, then more will emerge and we'll, we will have the whole picture eventually if we learn how to you know, do this technique. So a lot of my work is exactly that. I think that's often a natural way that we even are in communication and conversation when there's an organic flow, but we're just not conscious that that's what's happening. No, absolutely. Well, Casey, you have really opened my mind on a lot of things. I really appreciate you showing me some of the exercises. I'm definitely going to be incorporating them. Awesome. Thank you for inspiring me to not be so stressed about meditating in the mornings. I think I'm going to listen to you now and the next few days just play around with the idea of just meditating or centering myself when I need it. Maybe it's when I'm having my cup of coffee or just whenever the moment presents itself to be present. Mm. I love it. Let me know how it goes. I'm excited. I'm excited to see if you notice, you know, the needle moving a little bit. No, absolutely. So thank you so much for coming on from the Honeycomb Podcast. I have really enjoyed our conversation. And where can listeners find you? Yeah. So Casey Stevens, I work with people all over the world. And I always just trust that if the work that I do resonates, then people, the right people will find me. The name of my practice is Shrink Bigger. So you can find me like on Instagram at Shrink Bigger, or my website is at shrinkbigger.com. And speaking of meditations, if I do have some free meditations, if you go, I think they're embedded in my Instagram Linktree account, but also if you go to the website and you sign up at the bottom, then there are some guided meditations that I've just kind of channeled through that some people find valuable to do guided meditations too. So there's some free meditations that you can have access to as well. Awesome. I will provide all of that in the show notes so everyone can, I will, and I will be looking into those meditations as well. <laughs> so Casey, thank you so much. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me, Katarina. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to this episode of From the Honeycomb Podcast. As we conclude, I want to express my gratitude for joining me in today's episode. I hope you have found it insightful and inspiring. If you enjoyed today's episode, please take a moment to rate, review, and click that like button so you never miss an episode. And don't forget to share this with your friends. You can follow me on Instagram at From the Honeycomb Podcast. And you can also further your support of From the Honeycomb by visiting the patron link provided in the show notes. Your contribution helps make more episodes possible. And lastly, don't forget to subscribe to my monthly newsletter, A Spark of Positive Energy, that comes out on the 7th of each month. Thank you so much, and see you next Friday. Thank you.